ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake. I'm joined, actually joined, in the virtual, not the virtual studio. <laughs> I'm joined in the actual studio. What is this? I thought you were going to say virtual world. Uh, well, it is a virtual world. It's the Matrix, and I'm joined in it yep. by Johnny. Hello. It, it is the Matrix. <laughs> Caught him by because, surprise. Um, yeah, you did. Because um, if, if this was real life, then the cats wouldn't be going this well, would they? So it's got to be a Matrix. That's what other people believe. So why not? It has to be. Sambo, also joined by you. How are you? I'm good. I'm <laughs> very well. Thank you. How are you, Jay? I'm fantastic. Um... People watching this show will be far more aware of the general visual comedy of it. The three of us crammed into John's normal recording spot. Yes. Um, As my wife likes to call it, the, the wank then. <laughs> the wank. Well, it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, let's let's be honest about it. Um, I'm in here and wank off <laughs> about the cats. We're glad exactly. to be here. Um, but we are all in person for the, fir- <laughs> for the first time. In ages, I reckon it was, I reckon COVID lockdowns were still in action the last time we all recorded and you were in a different house the no, last time we all recorded. House. No. The last time we did it was the Joel Selwood film. We, we did a little in-person oh, yes. on the couch, Joel Selwood um, re- retrospect. That you, was the last one. You're correct, out at the farm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you want to watch uh, us, <laughs> you want to watch three lads in a room, Sharing one mic, three guys, three guys one mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the wank den. It's not awkward at all because there's no delay and we're, you know, in sync perfectly at the moment. That's right. It is weird actually being all together. It's the way that the show was ultimately intended to be way, way, way back when. Um, and we've got a lot to get into, chaps. We've got an AFL Cats taking on the Tigers in week nine, an undermanned Cats team. And we've also got for our Patreon subscribers, our month in review, we'll be going back and looking at games five to eight of Geelong's season, reflecting on those four weeks. Bit of a different sort of reflection to have than the weeks one to four. Um, before that, we've got a really uh, a breaking news story to get to, and that that is that John Larkin has taken up swimming uh, every morning from like 6 or 7 a.m. John, what has driven you? to this aquatic endeavour? Uh, wasn't that fit, so I wanted to get a bit fitter. And swimming's easy, and I don't like lifting weights, to be honest. Logic? Sam, would you like to respond as a member of the um, muscle farm community? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> swimming is superior. If, if I could uh, be bothered leaving my house, I would go swimming. Perfect. Or just once we get fat stacks of cash as the chaps, just put a pool in. Yeah, yeah. Build build our own pool yeah. uh, with blue and uh, navy and white stripe tiles yeah, at the cool. bottom. Perfect. Perfect. Love it. All right, let's get into it, chaps. We've got a preview to discuss. The Cats v. the Tigers, week nine. As I said, an undermanned Cats team. The last time we played the Tigers, if we cast our minds back, I believe was the game you were at, Johnny, yes. down at the G. With Jack Henry. Um, with Jack Henry? With Jack Henry. Yeah, I was. I don't remember that. <laughs> if you run back the vision, you'll see me with him in that marking contest. Lifting him up. Yeah. <laughs> Titanic style. <laughs> um, 
crazy game. And that, Jack, you're <laughs> <laughs> I didn't did ask him to draw me like he draws his, his French girls. And did he? He did. It's very flattering. Of course. I mean, how how could it not be? Yeah, well, I can see it just here. We've got the Joel Salwood framed print over yeah. there, and then gone drawn like a French girl over here <laughs> by Jack Henry. Yeah. Um, uh, Jack Henry, um, the French oh. artist. Um, that game, in a lot of ways, chaps, for me was was a moment that I really felt. Now we were four and four going into that game. I, am, am I wrong? Were we four and four, and that was the game that got us to five and four? Had we? You're right. Um, and that game to me more than any other kind of signified, yes, we've beaten an opponent who would have beaten us in that situation. If you go back, is it um, Rioli who kicked a goal with about a minute 30 left to put Richmond ahead? And you and I were watching that game, I think, together, mm-hmm. Sambo, and we both went, up, oh, fuck. And then the Cats go straight back down and get the winner. And I don't know about you boys, but that really felt like the coming of age moment for that Geelong side in 2023. It did. Yeah, there was a lot of um, uh, momentous moments, I suppose, because that was also when Tom Stewart turned the impressed year into a red paste. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and, then, yeah, and then wiped him off with his windscreen wipers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was also a, like there was so many moments like that because that it seemed like one of those teetering moment game because that mm. as well like Tom Stewart doing that and then there's this big furor around that and would the cats be able to pull it together without him going forwards um so not only in the game getting over the line but a lot of the kind of the legacy that that set up there was a lot of questions raised about squad depth and if we deserve to win that game because oh if Dion Prestia I think it was Kane Corns uh said that Geelong were a Dion Prestia bump away from losing that game so there was a lot of that kind of narrative. So I think you're right. I think it was a turning point where we really had to dig in and prove ourselves last year. Absolutely. I feel like, Johnny, like there was a lot made of that Tom Stewart hit. And I think we all spoke about it on the pod and said, yep, yeah, wrong thing, rightfully got, what was it, a month? Yeah. A month off, deserved. But like I don't think one player makes a difference in, in that game. And I think it's a bit of salty tears from – Richmond fans, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, yeah, he may have made a bit of a difference, but it's hard to see him making a massive difference to winning that game. I think what happens still happens. I think Tom Atkins does what he does. Mm. Gets inside that forward 50, Tyson Stengel still does what he does. Gets it in there and Henry takes a mark. But, yeah, who knows? We'll never know, though. Um, and, you know, we'll find out again this Friday what, happens when there is a down rescue in the Tigers team because at the moment they're not being that impressive and the only win, like win of a big nature was against West Coast, which is, you know, struggling big time. So I don't know, it's going to be an interesting game. I'll be there live again, so I'm excited. It'll be interesting. Uh, I think it'll be a really tough game with all the out cats have. And, mm. um, but I think, the way Richmond are playing, not playing too well. Who knows, this could be a game that turns them around. I think there's a few people in the media going, oh, you know, big win by the Tigers last week has really set them up. This could be a really big setup for them to launch into the season. Like, well, it was only against West Coast. Mm. Like, Cats bet West Coast and everyone's going, oh, it's just West Coast. It doesn't matter. It's just Hawthorne. It doesn't matter. It's just Sydney. Who cares? They're not playing well. Mm. But it's winning games. you got to win games. and. 
at the moment. Richmond are winning, but in my mind, they're not winning in, like that well. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you got thoughts on the Tigers before we move into like team selection stuff. Um, yeah, uh, only that they. The one thing I would say is that they probably will come out pretty hard because of the. Um, because of the uh, the nature of what we were just talking about with the with the previous games, I think the Tigers will probably come out. It will be not necessarily... I don't think they've necessarily proved themselves to be back in in the comp, but this will be a game that they will be looking to to prove themselves. So it could be one of those turning point kind of games for them. I I expect them to come out harder than they probably have previously this year. Um, but I, you know, in in blanket terms, I of course expect the Cats to have. Have the goods, even if even if the Tigers do come out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just trying to see if we can bring up like a, a sort of injury report or whatever for the Cats, so we can discuss, um, yeah, more more in depth, like who is definitely out, who is backing, because I don't know if we're getting anyone back um, from that sort of panel of outs. Um, there might be an article on the Cats website or something that. But yeah, no, I know what you mean, Sambo. Like, it's the AFL, like there's 18 professional football teams and any of them on their given day can, can give you headaches. Mm. And that's not even taking into account the fact that Geelong are not are far from full strength against the um, Crows. Um, I saw a thing that said there were 10 players from the grand final side who were missing and then Dangerfield went out um, just at the start of the third term. So obviously Selwood doesn't count, but that's still nine and a half players who weren't involved in the grand final who were out, who got the job done against the Crows. And then we also got Brad Close out through suspension, through, you know, some pretty perfect tackle, which is, I don't know, kind of crazy that they're still saying he did the wrong thing somehow. But um, the Cats' injury list is Jack Bowes, Brad Close suspension, Toby Conway, who hasn't played a game yet, but still... Dangerfield, Sam DeConing, Jack Henry, Sam Nagola, Gary Ron, Reese Stanley, and Tyson Stengel. That's an extensive list. Um, and the only one that may be back is SDK, who's a test. It's kind of important, Sam DeConing, only in, in terms of how it frees up different players. But then again, I, I thought actually, and when we gave him some credit on the, the recap show, um, like credit to Segler, who actually did get the job done that you wanted him to do in terms of halving that that ruck contest um, uh, against the Crows. Like he, he was perfectly serviceable um, in that role for the Cats. Um, and Mark Blixars was free to sort of play wherever you wanted him to play. What was your kind of thoughts on the Brad Close suspension and tackle, Sambo? Like we haven't really had a chance to discuss it much on the pod. Johnny sort of briefly mentioned it there, but did you have sort of thoughts, takeaways? There's been a lot of like, there's been a lot of um, strong reactions to a bunch of the suspensions this week, basically saying, you know, we're, we're headed to playing flag football, the tackles mm-hmm. going out of the game. Where are you sort of at with it? Um, I mean, it's kind of got overshadowed in the media by the, um, uh, what's it, Van, Ruin? Van Ruins yeah. um, strike or whatever they graded it as. Um, which I also think probably wasn't a suspension. Um, I don't. I do actually agree with a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the media that it probably didn't deserve one. Maybe a fine. Like I'm kind of happy with that. If you cause a bit of grief in an incidental way, I think it's 
it's fine. But the money should really go to the other player. I think we should do it that way. <laughs> I think it should be more of a like you know a compensation thing because it's why why is the AFL get paid because a guy got an injury? I don't understand it. <laughs> or, um, or it should go to charity or something else. Something or like that, like country football. Yeah. Why not country football? Yeah, Get rid of suspensions and it's every instance just a, a massive fine, like 20 grand or something, mm-hmm. out of the player's pocket or the club's pocket straight to country football. So that will stop players doing stupid things quick because our club clubs were like, fuck country footy. Yeah. <laughs> we want that money. <laughs> That's right. Um, and the Brad Close thing, I... It's it's a tough one. I don't know. I, I don't know how you, I just feel like they're wording it all very clearly and acting as if they're clearing things up, but they're not. Because they specifically said it's because he pinned both arms and he couldn't stop himself. Mm. And that the player, it, it's the, in the player's duty of care when they see that the other player is going to ground to let go. So what are we going to, we're going to like tackle like this. And then as we fall, you just drop them. In which case, can I grab someone and sling them and throw them? Mm. And that's okay because their hands are free to stop themselves. Yeah. Like, I don't understand this whole, like, yeah, to, to say to drop them because as, and and to be to their credit, Robbo and, um, uh, what's his name? Jared. Jared um, discussed it and said that, you know, when the player's charging with that much momentum, he is the, the player that got tackled. Mm. It's more his momentum taken to the mm. ground. Close catches him and turns with him and they and they go in, into ground. Now, what's the player meant to do there? Not tackle? And essentially what the AFL is saying, it, well, what the the um the tribunal was saying in their wording is that you should should lay the tackle and then release. Mm. I don't understand that at all. Well, that, that to me, Johnny, brings up this question of like, how often do you see a player, Dangerfield's a classic one, as he's falling to ground, able to get a handball off. So essentially, the reason you're pinning someone's arms in a tackle is to prevent them getting a disposal away. If you're now tackling and then releasing, you're now allowing the player an opportunity to dispose of the football, which totally negates the purpose of tackling. Absolutely. And then it sounds like about the, you know, you're going to tackle someone, you've got to hold them and then mm. let them go. It's, you know, going to ground. And then mine goes back to Rachel Kearns for the Cats AFLW yeah. side. And she got tackled where she got lifted in the air. I think because she was like trying to jump and get around them, like tackle and then let them go. And she fell into the ground. Her arms are free to have to stop. Them. And she still got injured for basically the whole season. Mm. So what happens, and I think, if a player, if you're a tackler and you do that, where you're sort of going with the momentum and you're still taken to ground, I think that's still even worse mm. than tackling him to the ground. Yes, they make it a head knock, but how are you going to stop head knocks in a full contact sport? You're not. I think that is a big part of this, and I think everyone's like well aware of it. There is so much publicity at the moment mm. around you know, head injuries, concussion, long-term effects, you know, CTE and all that sort of stuff that I feel like it reminds me a lot of following the NFL when they were trying to redefine the catch rule. And it was like, okay, so he's caught the ball, but has he possessed the ball? Mm-hmm. And all these rules of like, you've got to catch it, make a footballing motion, which is like to bring it to your body and then take two steps. And it feels like this, like we're trying 
to legalize the tackle. And then the reality is contact sport and tackling is even if you do it with excellent technique, it's still bodies colliding at high impact, you know, large amounts of force. There's a really hard surface that you're getting tackled to. Like sometimes shit happens. Like there's plenty of injuries that occur in a like game to game basis where injuries occur where no foul or no free kick has been given away. However, I would say, would you have seen a free kick given for what Brad Close did in previous seasons? If we we rewind back even like say three or four years, are we now getting free kicks paid for things that there wouldn't have been in the past? And I understand the game does evolve, but at a certain point, I don't know that you can legislate all of the danger out of the game. And the other thing is you're coming into physics and players' biology because essentially there was another tackle in that same game. I think it was either Tom Stewart. I remember Tom Stewart being involved. It was a legal one. It was a good one. I think, and they, the commentators sort of said they made note of it. They like nursed him to ground was the way they, and they said that's the, they made note of saying that's the action that the AFL is really trying to bring in is the tackle and then taking them to ground slowly, slowly and carefully. And I would have to say that's what Brad Close would have done, but he was half the size of the player he was tackling. So are we now going to have this, we're going to have to introduce weight rules where you can only tackle, like it's like the UFC, you can only tackle people in the same weight category as you. Like that's, and because this, the the tackles are, earlier in the year, do you remember we talked about how the cats weren't getting their tackles right? Mm -hmm. And I was talking about how they weren't grabbing the arms Mm. because they were grabbing around the waist and the player's arms are free to, to get a disposal off. Now we're doing effective tackles and giving away free kicks and getting suspended for it. And I understand the ideal scenario was that other tackle where you lay the tackle and you're able to nurse them to ground. Mm. But how do you do that in the heat of the moment? Which is why I think it's it's pretty rough for it to be a suspension, especially when so far we've seen them to be very concussion-centric. If there's a concussion, it's a suspension. Mm but there was no concussion here as far as I'm aware. He got up and took the kick, right? Yeah. And it was, it was never subbed off. Oh, so yeah, it was yeah. the action that was illegal now, not the result. And I, I do feel like this, going back to the fines, we should probably be seeing more fines given out mm. more frequently, yeah. less suspensions. Keep reprimanding for little mistakes. Poor technique. Yeah, yeah, and then bring in when there's a big concussion or a big injury. But, I mean, it's still it's still not perfect because then, you know, say there was a concussion there. What does that do to Brad Close's tackling when he comes back from suspension? Well, how, how cautious is he? Well, well the, like this, uh, and to bring it again over to the NFL, but only because of similar overlap, there's rules now in terms of, you know, sacking the quarterback, um, you know, which is driven a lot by the fact that the quarterback's the highest paid player and, and the players that people turn up to watch. But... There's now rules of like you can't drop your full body weight on the quarterback. You it's that same thing. You've got to find some way of like you're running at full speed, beating a def, you know a, 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 an offensive lineman, getting to the quarterback, tackling him. Most of the quarterbacks now can run around and move to to evade you, unlike previous season, like previous eras. They're not just standing there. So you've caught them, and now you've got to bring them to ground, but you can't land your full body weight on top of them. So players get like, it's really hard to do this at speed 
um, with their size, with their power. I feel like we're really, I think this is something that's going to be impacting essentially all contact sports, mm. contact team sports. I don't think UFC gives a shit like getting punched in the head is just part of the sport. But I think team sports like footy, like rugby, I'm imagining, like the NFL, um, hockey and all that sort of stuff, like this is something we're going to face as more science comes out about concussion and, and, and danger of head injuries and all that sort of stuff. It's just the questions that all these leagues are going to be asking. Do you, this is, I mean, this is just totally talking at my ass here and I've not done any real thinking about this subject, so I don't know if it's, if it's off base. But do you think the owners should come back to tightening up the holding the ball rule to incentivize people to play the ball quickly to minimize tackles? Mm. So that player, because if that had been a textbook, if that had not been a free kick to tackle the close lay, mm. it would have been holding the ball. Yeah. Right? I don't think so. So if, and this is the whole, with the prior opportunity, all these rules with holding the ball, the, I felt like the Geelong game on the weekend, I don't know if you guys talked about the umpiring at all, I felt like it started really strict and then waned and it, it had this overall impression of not being umpired that well, I think because it was inconsistent because the first half they were so whistle happy. Mm. And I actually in some ways preferred it. I kind of liked that we were getting pinged for throws, we were getting pinged holding the ball really quick. Um, and it because it makes it ends up making the game a bit faster because yep. players are really worried about getting pinged behind the ball, so they're moving the ball on quicker. Whereas at the moment, it seems like you're more likely to get a free kick than be pinged behind the ball if you carry the ball a little yeah. bit. The chance of the tackle being high, sling, dangerous, head contact, what like all these, the chance of you getting a free kick is actually higher. I have heard a lot of people say on social media. But sometimes the umpires do let tackles go on far too long. And I agree. Like sometimes you see tackles going on and on and on. It's like, when's the umpire going to stop this? When is they going to blow the whistle? Blow the whistle. It should be as soon as they're tackled, if they don't get away, like, you know, can in the head, but one, two, whatever, whatever's mm. easiest or I don't know what would be easy. Mm. But having in their mind, like being tackled, they don't get away with this time, just blow the whistle. It's either holding the ball or a ball up. Do it quick because then if it's quicker, Brad Close or other players may not need to take him to ground. Yeah. It may get frustrating at start, but it could get rid of those, you know, these stupid suspensions where players do nothing wrong, just going with the momentum of the player. Yes, it still may happen, but it may happen less if the umpires are a bit quicker to call like a free kick or call a ball up rather than letting the tackles go on longer than what they may need to. Mm. Well, we've got this, again, in the NFL because it's so overlapping, the idea of a player giving themselves up. So, you know, a player gets tackled and basically said, I'm not going to try and push any further mm. here. I'm, just, I'm, I'm stopping. I'm, I'm not churning my legs anymore. I, I've got the yardage I want to get. So now I'm going to allow the umpire to call it close to the play. You do sometimes see, though, when a player continues to push for yardage, get you know, picked up and slammed down because he's trying to push through a tackle or whatever like that, or someone else comes in and, you know, shoulder shots them to try and knock them down. I feel like it's the same shit we're dealing with in the AFL. It's like players try and break tackles. And so, like, what are you taught as a tackler in training? Keep tackling. Mm. Like, you, it, it, it's a battle of attrition. You know, you don't want, like, if you let go of Dustin Martin, he's going to, 
burst away. If you let go of Gary Jr., they're going to burst away. You you are trying to pin them, restrict their movement, and, and bring them down or bring the play to a close. I, I do agree. I think we're probably that is a way in which we could change it is is in how the umpires bring those things to a quick end because you see it so often. There was one I don't know if it was in the Crows game or not where a quick a quicker whistle would have saved someone getting chucked into the ground. Mm. Um, and it might have even been the VFLW game for the Cats. The women's game, in my opinion, the umpiring needs a massive overhaul because the amount of times that the ball just gets dropped out of a tackle and, and you've just got these roving packs, we would be so much better, I think, in the men's game, but particularly the women's game, to call more free kicks, to call mm. more holding the balls, to call more dropping the footy, to get possession in someone's hand, clean possession, and, and we're often trying to move the footy again, rather than having these just mauling bands of players yeah. moving around the field. I'd be fine with more holding the ball free kicks, as long as it's just consistent. Yeah. If it's consistent umpiring throughout a whole game, you're sure it can be frustrating, but if it's consistent, you get used to it mm. throughout the whole game, and you're like, oh, they've been just calling out all game, that's fine. That's when it's, as you're saying, saying when it starts up really strict, and then gets looser and looser as the game goes on, then that's when it starts going. You're calling that 10 minutes ago. Why is that all of a sudden not a free kick now? Yeah, because you're comparing one to the other. Yeah. And I just think even if even if it's strict but inconsistent from game to game, if the if the general, you know, uh, edict coming down from the umpires is that it's gonna be strict and it's not so much that you're gonna give away a free kick, but the threat of giving away a free kick for holding the ball is there. I think it'll just, yeah, it'll just, it'll incentivize clean possessions. Mm. You want to kick the players in good space. You want to take more marks mm. so it'll you can't be tackled. Back. And it'll also mean, yeah, you'll speed up the game. You'll want to play it on quicker if you are in a dangerous situation. If that player doesn't pick it up, and I keep calling that player, I can't remember the name of the player that close. No, uh, Dawson. Dawson. If Dawson doesn't pick it up and charge, he's not, there's no tackle to be laid. If he scoops it up and lays a quick hand, hand pass, and then, the hand runs. pass, presumably, yeah, we well, can't exactly run when you don't have the ball. Yeah. Move the ball quick and 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 move off the ball. Um, and I, I just think it then that hand pass lands at a player, and if that player gets tackled, they're not in a position probably to be tackled in the way that close yeah. tackled him it's anyway. Be a bit more stationary. They may move, but that's where the player tackling yeah has that greater you know duty of care, as AFL likes to say, to bring down bring them down safely in a safer manner and in a way that protects the tackler and the player instead of a player, I think it was like 20 kilos heavier, mm. busting through another player that's 20 kilos lighter and shorter. I think at the end of the day, it's um, like we could do a whole episode talking on Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, could, we could do like a, a, a massive, uh, you know, two-hour chat about how, you know, it's it's confronting to us, I think, as a society, like contact sports and that sort of thing and the inherent dangers, the assumption of risk and all that sort of stuff. Like it as we discover more and learn more about the impact of of you know head trauma and all that sort of stuff, like it's gonna keep bringing these questions up of are we comfortable with our kids going and playing these sports? How do we make it safer? What's an acceptable amount of risk? All this sort of stuff. It, it's just gonna be an ongoing conversation and balancing act because the thing is people 
do a lot of, you know, to undertake a lot of risky endeavors and, and many of them, you know, have quite positive impact on a person, you know, yeah. footy included. There's so many benefits outside of just like, oh, he goes out on the field and there's a risk for head collision. It's like, well, that's, that's just boiling it down to one, you know, occasional instance, but it doesn't mean we should dismiss that either. Like it's a real concern. Yeah. And I think, I was just going to say, um, I think it was Jacko from Marcus Up was saying that, um, Nice shout out. If no, no, thank you. Um, one if, if they really start getting worried about it, why not mandate those like foam helmets to play? Mm. I mean, what's it going to do? It's going to, at worst, make players with um, nice hair not have nice hair. But going to fuck at, up our posters, John. Exactly. But you know, you don't need a photo with them with the helmet on. You know, take the helmet off right after the game. You're fine. Mm. Like. I would be I would be fine with that if I did say you know from now on these helmets are going to be mandatory just for that extra protection because mm. who knows it might be that foam or whatever it is made of might just save that players like Tom McCartan from getting a really easy concussion like when he fell over and just mm. knocked his head yeah. who knows that may have stopped that concussion it could stop other concussions. If it's a ten percent, if it's a four percent, if it's a five, if there's any percentage of improvement, and why think, not? I think the AFL's wor- is worried about their image. Totally. Like I think that's why they don't want to do it. Honestly, I think it's purely no. superficial. But I think if they're worried about their image, I think most viewers would rather a fast, hard game yeah. with padding, like helmets, with helmets yeah, yeah, yeah. things, than a slower, safer game without it, with nice posters, with people with gel in their hair. As Jacob said. Caleb Daniel doesn't look any uglier with it on. It looks fine. My, my thing would be, Johnny, why don't we get into some Mad Max, like, personalise your helmet? Some people could have a mohawk flowing off the top of the helmet, oh, nice. like a little bit of a Trojan, yeah. you know, warrior yeah. thing. Why not? Yeah. And the last, my last note on this is just that they keep talking about duty of care. And I think the weird thing about a lot of the suspensions this week is that they've thrown duty of care at all these players mm. in scenarios where I think a lot of them were pretty careful. Mm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, I think, I think parents can be safe sending their kids to Auskick, you know, encouraging their kids to take up football, their kids going through the ranks, going up the AFL level. If you know that people are generally good and you're all out there to play football, mm. even when you're being paid the big mm. bucks for it and all that stuff and you're out there, no one's out there to Barry yeah. Hall each other. And that's like I understand that duty of care, but this in itself was the both both the close and the Van Ruin one were like I don't think either of them were someone recklessly taking the other person's health and safety into their hands. I don't think Van Ruin was going there going I'm gonna fucking smash this sexual proclivity. It was such a <laughs> it was just such <laughs> there's some more editing that just came right out. Um, Thirty one eleven. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was going in there to. Hurt the guy, you could sort of see his arm was cocked of the way just trying to avoid his head. It just and it was such happened. an innocuous, yeah. And then you the, see him the, the way it moved his neck more than yeah. and he got up straight away and went to the fire, going, Shit, see, all right. I think good on Melbourne for you know going back and saying, This isn't right, we're gonna challenge this. And I sort of hope that's would do the same, going, This isn't right, let's challenge this again, you know, do what. They did for Patrick Cripps. If Cripps can get off for what he did, then surely Brad Close can get off for that. 
So we're saying though, with the way this looks for the you know the the AFL's sort of disciplinary system, that what Brad Close did is half as bad as what Kozia Pickett did to Bailey Smith in back in week one or two, whenever that was. When he no, it's exactly as bad. He's only got no uh, Pickett got two weeks. Oh, did he? I think yeah. he got one. No, two. He got he got two. But the thing with the Pickett thing, which cracks me up, the AFL talks about their image and stuff. Jack from Markers Up said that that Kaiser Pickett hit was in the highlights um, package for Gather Round. Mm. Like footies like hard and tough and they had that clip. Like what direction do you want to go? Are you encouraging people to say this is a game where we take the safety of players' heads seriously or is this it's tough and rough and ready? Imagine if you did that to Tom McCartan. Yeah. He would be knocked out instantly the way – he gets um, concussions by, like, basically tapping your head on yeah. the ground. Like, if that happened to a player who was really acceptable to concussion, then, yeah. It's where, yeah where's where, the duty of care? Where's the duty of care? There was no duty of care there. Well, and, well, and the other thing is, too, if that was two inches higher and clipped less of his shoulder and more of his head, you could have been looking at, like, a stretch it off kind of situation. I think... I Isn't think that the action? They always go, that's the action we want. That me is more the action you want out than any of the ones this week. Where you jump and launch yourself like a missile into a player's chest head area. There's no, yeah, like that Off to me ball. was one of the very few instances I think you see in any given week of footy where someone is trying to hurt somebody else <laughs> um, for whatever reason, whether it's they're pissed off at how their own performance is going or it's just a rush of blood to the head of like, I'm going to lay you out. There was no footballing advantage to be gained in that instance. Um, we've we've done heaps on this. I'm actually really glad, like, some of the conversations we've had recently, we've had messages from people saying, like, really glad you guys like had a long chat about that. So hopefully you've enjoyed that one as well. Um, so, look, the ins and outs have been well covered in, in the media and that sort of thing. As, as Johnny mentioned at the start of that chat, like, SDK is the only cat we might get back, though. Cam Guthrie... Is he was he on that list? He wasn't. Last time I checked on when was it Monday on our recap, he was on that list, and it said one to two weeks. And then I don't think he was on this list that I just looked up. Double check that, Johnny, while we chat here. Um, as Sam's sort of taking on a ZZ Top sunglasses these, kind of look. These your these your choppers, Johnny? They're my um, old choppers, about five or six years old. Pretty pretty big rig. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of real, like, nose protection going on here. <laughs> um, no, Cam Guthrie is off the injury list. Does that mean he's in the selection? The candidates was in? I don't know. I know it was a day ago. So it's the latest updated injury list. That's interesting. It's either a typo, like an administrative accident, or Cam Guthrie is in line for selection, which would be really fucking handy um, for this week. Just yeah, it will take a load of Mark Blitzers in that midfielder and Tom Atkins and Max Holmes because, you know, Blitzen will be the only really experienced midfielder we've got at the moment in there. We've got other guys who – Tom Atkins has got a bit of experience but not the experience you want to be the front man to be leading. I'm sure he'd be able to do it really well, but you sort of want another – Another two equally experienced players, if not more so. 
he's a good rhythm guitarist who can occasionally bust out a solo when you need, but mm. we don't have that lead guitar player like Patrick Dangerfield, like Selwood was for many years. So it's going to be interesting mm. to see like how this team respond. Like this is a situation where you are significantly undermanned. Um, I don't know about you chaps, like um, Jack from the Marcus Up podcast. Oh, another D- one. Don't know if we've mentioned him. <laughs> um, we were chatting the other day um, and he said, do you think this is a danger game for the Cats? And I said, well, like they're all kind of danger games. It's a game we could lose, but it yeah. doesn't mean that season-wise it's not necessarily I think a danger it's, game. It's more of a danger game for Richmond. They're hanging in there. Um, and they all, as I said to a lot of colleagues, we all going to the football with, said to us, like, she's extremely stressed, going, this is going to be a smashing, not looking forward to it that much, Cat's going to smash us. I was like, I'm actually a bit worried myself. Like, Does Richmond play well mm. against the Caps? Without a win, they're desperate. They may come out and play really well. I said, I'm still expecting the Cats to win, but I'm still worried about what Richmond can do. Um, I've never really counted Richmond out since I've won the all those premierships. You can't count them out until they're out. Yeah. Their last couple of seasons have been a bit like our first couple of weeks yeah. of this season, mm. where you're like, the same stuff's all there. It's just got to click yeah. at some point. And you kind of feel like everyone's saying it's the end of an era for the Tigers. And it could be, you know, like, who knows? But you also feel like it wouldn't take that many elements lining up for them to be back on track. Yeah. As fans of a team who've been written off that the dynasty's over for like 15 years and it's never happened, like I, I'm i still in the back of my mind going, they'll probably sneak into the eight. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I just think they're, they're, there's still too much talent on that list. It will really shock me if, if Richmond don't make up one of those eight spots despite where they find themselves. And that might have just be a little bit of, um, what do you call it? The... Um, What's the syndrome where you've been held hostage by Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome? It's it's uh, a bit like that. The like syndrome that my um, beverage has all the bulldogs in. That's <laughs> that's right. Beverage's mustache. Um, it's it's like I just Richmond in my mind will always be the twenty seventeen qualifying final, absolutely mauling us at the MCG in a game that should have been played at Cadinia Park because we'd finished on top of the ladder. They'll. That I, I still remember those games of just like fuck. Are we are we gonna find a way to beat this team? Because it just seemed like, yeah, every game was that game. You feel like you're in it, and then all of a sudden the the black and gold wave sort of starts, and you just can't fucking stop them. And Martin suddenly got three goals, and um, so I, I always expect that of them. Even though, and, and look, out of all the teams that have beaten us over the years, and there's not that many of them. Um, that have had any sort of stretch over the cats where they've had the wood over us. Like I, I don't, I have some issues sometimes with the way Richmond fans carry on on Twitter, but as a team, I actually, um, I enjoyed watching them play footy when it wasn't against us far more than I ever watched, enjoyed watching say the scum, the scummers when they were up and about Collingwood. Um, I think Richmond actually played a pretty attractive attacking brand of footy and, and I think um it was a really lovely offset after the era we went through with Hawthorne where everything was precise kick to kick slow begrudging ball movement but for the Tigers to come out and really I think the Tigers probably took what the Bulldogs did in 2016 
um, and okay. perfected it, um, to, you know, into this whole different dynamic. They added their own spin to it. Um, if if SDK is back, does Segler go out for you boys? No. I don't think so. I think Segler stays in because we played against um, Adelaide and gonna, I think we want Blitz that little bit more freedom. And then also says, you know, STK can ruck and Blitz can ruck. Give um, Segler chop out every now and then. But I think with the injuries in the midfield, I think we want Blitz to play more of that midfield role and then pinch it in the ruck when needed. I think that I, I wonder if SDK getting these injuries, having played in the ruck and stuff, makes them at all nervous about like putting you back in there. Yeah, I, I don't think it will. Honestly, I think that the Cats coaching staff is pretty realistic about the fact that injuries happen, and and he could just as easily have copped an elbow to the face down back mm-hmm. playing on Tom Lynch. But speaking of Tom Lynch, he's currently injured, yes. isn't he? So he's an out. So Rewalt is the focus of the attack. So, like, I, again, I just I will always have that thing in me that goes, it, it's not you haven't killed it until it's <laughs> dead kind of thing until you burn it with fire. Like Richmond will always have that that aura yeah. for me until they don't. That the same thing. Just do basically the same team. There's not much difference in there's maybe a couple of new players for Richmond, but on a whole, it's still basically the same team that won the 2020 premiership against us. Well, they've and they've got a really good set of new players like yeah. Taranto and guys like that coming in. So I yeah, you just never know when it's gonna turn for a team and, and Friday night against the cats, backs to the wall. As much as we say we've got our backs to the wall in terms of like being undermanned with injury, in terms of the narrative of Richmond's season, like they've got to start taking big scalps and stacking wins if they're going to sneak in the back door of the eight because it starts to get late quick if you lose this and then you lose a couple more um then then you're probably looking at a a, a cooked season and i know i think to their credit i don't think they've i don't think they saw that in their future i think they want to keep winning i think that's why they made the recruitments that they made to keep topping up um let's finish this part of the show quickly lads uh one thing we want to see um, on the weekend from this game, Sambo, I'll start with you. What's one thing you want to see from the Cats or a player this weekend? No, I want I want to see the mids prove that we're not just Dangerfield because the big story out of the Cats has obviously been, you know, not only Dangerfield but our our veterans. Everyone loves to write the veterans off and then when they were winning, everyone loves to just talk about the veterans and Dangerfield has been in incredible form. Uh, and so, obviously, with him, with him out, um, I want to, I want to make sure that we're both. I think, I think offensively, I think we'll do okay, even without Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. I think what, the, what Holmes has showed, what Atkins, and you know, again, if Blix is is freed up, if Guthrie's back, um, I think it, offensively, as long as we're working together, it's right. It's more on the on the back foot. When Richmond get going, I want to make sure that we're. I want to see some really strong defensive play from our mids, locking in there, keeping up in our fifty. I don't want to see too much because I think I think this game could end up looking very fifty to fifty, mm-hmm. just swinging back and forth, and it'll come down to um, forward line potency, mm-hmm. which I think we've probably still got the skin yeah. in. Um, but I would really like to see us 
cutting their attacks before they even get past that halfway line. Um, so most mostly that I'd like to see the midfields really giving Dangerfield like vibes without Dangerfield. Uh, even if we're not as effective, I'd like to see how this team operates without relying on him as we as the media at least thinks we have. I don't think we have relied on him, but this could be the game that tells us whether that's the case or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I would like to see. There's a lot I'd like to see. A win is one, obviously. Um, I'd like Your to see... Your co-worker in tears on the drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see Tanner Bruin step up into that danger field role. Not possibly for the whole game. I think that'll be a bit much, but just step up in there, listen to a bit of MM, you know, get lose yourself in the music moments. Tick that off bing, your bingo bing, card. Yeah, yep. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I feel like he did that last week when Dangerfield went off. He mm. saw his moment and put himself in the positions where he could lose himself in the game and just do what he needed to do. I'd like to see him do that a bit more often. Not the entire game, but just moments where it feels like we need a player to step in and get in there rough and ready and just get the ball out. I'd like to see him do that throughout the game. Yeah, like both of those chaps. Um, I've got a couple, so I'll just sneak a couple in quickly. Oh, oh Two things Jesus. I'd like to see. One is I'd like to see Asava Radagalia have a really good game. More to the point, I want to see Richmond's big forwards blanketed. I would love to see Rewalt go goalless or, you know, one goal, two, or mm. just basically limited in opportunity, frustrated by a, a lack of supply, that sort of thing. Um, but I, I'm just going to go one really, like, personal kind of one. I would like to see Brandon Parfit come back into this side mm-hmm. and I'd like to see Brandon Parfit play really well. He played a half of the VFL last week against Southport and he had 21 touches and five clearances and he only played the first and second quarters. Um, you reckon that was, was that, did that play Sunday? Yes. You reckon that was a bit of a tactical, tactical move by the Cats. Yeah, he played first and second quarter, then Jai Clark played third and fourth, and it was a really good example of seeing like why Brandon Parfit is still clearly a better option to plug and play into the AFL side than any of the young mids mm. who are currently in the VFL, as good as James Willis was, as good as Closey, as good as Clark, as good as all these guys are. Parfit's ability to like find the footy in tight confines and then quickly get it out Look, his kicking is still sometimes up and down, but I, but it's sort of like Dangerfield. Often he's kicking under pressure and in contested situations. His hands, his quick hands, I think with close being out, I, I think Parfit could be a really great um, option in terms of being that person who finds it in traffic and just quickly gets a hand pass out. He had some beautiful no-look, dish it out to space over his head um, where he knew a teammate would be. and. and Parfit's always been one of my faves. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, I'd just like to see him come back. And um, let's face it, he was pushed out of this side by injury. And then he was kept out of it by the form of other players. I, I'd love to see him have this opportunity to to say, hey, I'm still a really fucking good AFL player and and I can actually force someone else out ultimately. Yeah, um, yeah I like Brandon Parfit. And I would, I would like to see him have a 25-touch, eight-clearance, kind of game because I think he's well capable of it. I agree. Definitely. And I, I guess that goes back to SDK and Segler as well uh, to, to play devil's advocate mm. on what Johnny was saying. I do wonder if they 
it might be two different routes to the same result, but you could because you could free Blix up, but also bringing SDK back in, but not Segler could allow you to have more lower center of gravity midfielders like mm. Parfit and that if they want to, because that might be, I guess it's a little bit more like for like to what Richmond brings. So it depends if we want to stack, try and stack the height over them mm. or if we want to match them kind of at their level. Well, it's kind of crazy because you think it was, it was sort of funny. I saw you having a chat on Twitter with someone, Johnny, over the weekend sort of going, well, could this player come back in? Could that player come back in? And you sort of realize, man, the, the cupboard's not totally bare, but we are really significantly down in the midfield stocks yes. like because okay so cl- you got to bring someone in for close and you got to bring someone in for danger field mm. so essentially sdk could come back in parfit could come back in and segler can still play which yeah. is kind of crazy um all right chaps that's that's i think we've done more than enough um Absolutely. previewing um we thank everybody for listening really yeah. appreciate it i'll say if you want to say say hi to me at the game i'll be Section M28, first four, first level, row C, seat one or two. So if you want to come say hi, come say hi. You should definitely do that. We we'll, might put a little tweet up on Absolutely. on Friday, Arvo, so with those details so people can come by and hopefully say good day, Johnny, maybe have Absolutely. a beer or something. I don't know if you're allowed to have a beer. Are you driving? I'll be driving, but I could have one beer at the start of the game. Responsible man, John. Responsible. Very responsible. Um, all right. Let's get on with the next part of the show, the Patreon month in review. If you want to hear this part of the show, if you want to see it, if you want to see oh, it, if you want to see it, see it. Um, see us all together in one area. Memorabilia. John's well, got a lot of memorabilia. Um, you can sign Caleb up Bowles. for the Chap Chat Cats Patreon. Leaves on this. It's Caleb. <laughs> no, no, <right. laughs> Three dollars fifty US per month. You get access to extended versions of all our podcasts, video versions of all our podcasts, plus VFL men's and women's coverage, which includes writing and podcasts. So go on over and do that if you'd like to. Until next time, go cats. Go cats. Go cats. Go cats.